it's Izzy. Wherever you're listening from, whatever your situation, and whatever brought you here, I'm so, so grateful that you've invested your time in listening to positive content. I truly hope you gain some valuable insights from the episode. The nearer a man comes to a calm mind, the closer he is to strength. That's a quote by Marcus Aurelius. And what he's saying there is that when we have a calm mind, we're actually in many ways stronger, which is ironic because when most of us are stressed and very much not in that calm mind, the moments when we really need strength, well, our mind is very much not calm. And so often we do the worst thing for us. We complain, we have really strong negative emotions that then we focus on and allow us to believe that the situation is worse than it is. And that tends to be what happens when something bad, stereotypically bad, is in our experience or something unexpected happens. Because often what we think of as bad is really just something that we didn't expect or particularly want to happen. And what we then do, or what I've found, is that When we're in that moment where something bad or unexpected or unwanted has happened, for instance, you really need to pop out and grab some lunch whilst you're at work and you need to get back really quickly for a meeting, but you end up at Tesco's and there is this really long queue and you're checking your watch, you're tutting, you're repeating over in your mind that the people in front of you, the three people in front of you at the checkout are really terrible people. They're slow, they're selfish. Why can't they just hurry up? They're probably unemployed that they can take this long. And you reel off all these things because you had not expected to wait for that long in the queue. Or even if you knew that it was a possibility, it's definitely not what you wanted. And so in that moment, you might be somebody who is, who starts stressing, right? Who starts moaning, who starts complaining, who tuts, who actually maybe even confronts the people in front or complains to the checkout person. Or you might be someone who I would call a fixer. Now, before you jump to any conclusions thinking that this is a more positive version to approaching the situation, not so, not so, not so fast. You see, if you're a fixer, it might be that you say, well, I'm just going to not buy this at all. I'm going to put my stuff back. Um, And then you go hungry later on. Or it might be that you go to self-checkout and you try and fix the problem. You try and ask if you can go in front of the person in front of you. Try and solve it, right? Which in some senses can definitely be positive than just moaning about something. But actually in a lot of situations, and I'd say that I am definitely a fixer, whether it's my negative situation or unexpected situation or somebody else's, I like to try and find a solution, which again, sounds like a good thing. But actually what I want to talk about in today's podcast is actually what we tend to do instead of accepting and allowing and how we can become more attuned to accepting what happens and allowing it to happen without imposing judgment as opposed to stressing, moaning, complaining, fixing. Do we have to fix everything that doesn't go as we want? Do we have to complain and talk about everything that doesn't happen as we'd like? Or can we learn to accept? Can we learn to just allow it, to let it be? Seneca once said that we suffer more often in imagination than actually in reality. And that is so true. When something happens in reality, 
it's actually neither good nor bad. And I know I've said this in previous podcasts, but it's actually what got my self-development journey really started, realising that I'm the one who labels the situation as negative or positive. And actually, it can just be left neutrally. And so because of the label that we give it, whether we're labelling it as bad, as annoying, as undeserved, that labelling of it, or other people's labelling of it that convinces us to label it in the same way, leads to our suffering. The reality of the situation doesn't lead to our suffering. Our judgement of it does. And I think that's a really interesting point to think about throughout the rest of this podcast. And the reason why I really wanted to do, well, to be fair, I wanted to do last week's podcast on accepting and allowing because it was really prevalent in my life a couple of weekends ago. Two weekends ago, I found myself unusually with two days free. I'd done most of my work um, that, that needed to be done. I'd had a really hectic, busy week in all the best of ways. And I was grateful to have two days to do whatever I wanted. Um, Jordan also had the time off. So we had a relaxing morning and then we were thinking, okay, well, what are we going to do? What should we do with the rest of the day? And I couldn't decide. I didn't know what I wanted to do. We had we had the suggestion of let's spend the day in Lincoln. But then we saw that it would take us about 50 minutes to drive there. It was a Sunday and so most places would be shut because it was already about three o'clock when we thought of this plan. So we're like, okay, well, what do we do now? And what I realised after about two hours and trying to think, right, well, let's find something to do. I realised that the reason why I couldn't find something is because I I had decision fatigue. I'd spent the whole week trying to decide things within my work. As some of you will know, self-employment, the best thing about it is you get to decide. You get to make all the decisions. But the worst part of it is you get to make all of your decisions. You have to make you have to make all of your decisions. So by the weekend, the last thing I wanted to do was make a decision about what to do. But rather than just sit back and do nothing, which felt like the complete opposite, I wanted to do something. I wanted to make the most of my free Sunday. I tried to fix it. I tried to I sat down with Jordan and we tried to look for different things that we could do in the future so we could create a list of things so that next time we had a free day, we could go out and do those things on that list. But the more I looked, the the more problems I found. Oh, we can't do that um, because, well, that was last month, so we've missed out on that. And I started finding so many more problems. And I think that part of the reason why I found more problems is because I was in a problem mindset. I was trying to fix the situation, but I was coming at it from a, this is bad, this is the problem, this is impossible, but I'm going to try and fix it anyway. And yes, there weren't many things that we could find to do, but also I didn't know what I wanted to do, so nothing I saw inspired me. And that then made me focus on the problem of not being able to decide even more. Again, just making me even more fatigued and frustrated. And I ended up taking myself off and doing some journaling, having a little little chat with my mum and trying to understand what was going on on how to spend the rest of the Sunday. But what actually my mum made me realise is that I don't have to make a decision. And that the more I try to fix something, 
the more I'm forcing myself to make a decision and the more I'm focusing on the problem. And even if you're not in the fix it category, I know that for most people, it's um, probably complain about the situation or just ignore it in a not necessarily productive way. Whatever you're doing, whether you're stressing about something, trying to fix it or trying to ignore it by doing something else, you're still focusing on the problem. So whether you're in decision overload, experiencing general exhaustion or just feeling less energetic than normal, sometimes the best thing to do is actually just to accept how things are and allow them to be that way. And often when we allow them to be that way, we start feeling better because the thing is when we are in fix it mode, it's us trying to control the situation. When we are in complaining mode, stressing mode, anxiety mode, even though we're probably telling ourselves we're out of control. The reason why our behavior is the way it is, why we speak to other people, why we um, moan about it in our heads is it's us trying to get control. And sometimes the best way to get control is to accept that you're out of control and to allow things to be the way they are and to play out the way they're going to play out without casting a judgment, without trying to change them. And that was something that I definitely, I think we all know it, but sometimes we need a reminder of it. And a couple of weekends ago, I really needed that that reminder. So maybe there's been something, something that maybe has been going on for five years now that you're trying to fix or change. And you know me, I'm a mindset strategist. I develop strategies to help people make a change in their life, to make something better in their life. But one big strategy is exactly this, not trying to come up with anything new to create change, to impose a solution, not clinging to the problem, either for better or worse, but actually allowing the problem to stay where it is and realizing that you can exist as the best version of yourself or even just the the version of yourself, neither good nor bad, even with that thing there. So I guess that is the strategy for this week. Don't try to search for an answer or a fix or don't hunt for clarity. I'm someone who loves clarity, as you probably know by now. Don't search for it. If you can't find it, I would encourage you to try and spend maybe 30 minutes. Give yourself literally 30 minutes to try and come with it, come up, say you're in a bad mood or really low energy or just feeling really rubbish. Take some time, give yourself half an hour to try and come up with a way in which you're going to make yourself feel better. Whether it's listening to music, going out on a walk, chatting to a friend, not moaning to a friend, chatting to a friend. All of the things that you know really help you. Having a big glass of water, washing your hair, tidying the house, something that might make you feel better. But if after that half an hour, it hasn't worked, in inverted commas, then let it go. Allow the feeling that you're experiencing. If it's anxiety, don't try and change it anymore. Don't try and judge it. Don't try and cast judgment. Just allow your body to feel it. Realize that, hang on a minute, I might not enjoy this feeling of tightness in my chest, but actually I'm perfectly safe and perfectly fine with it there. I can't change the way this person feels about me. I might not like the fact that they don't like me, it might not feel like I, I might not feel as empowered because I know they don't like me or as good as a person, but actually I can be a good person 
even though they don't like me, I don't have to change how they feel. I don't have to fix this argument right now. I can allow it to be and come back to it. Try and see the intuitive path. I'm trying not to say solution here, but the intuitive path, wait for the gut feeling to come, right? You, you know, when you just do something and you don't even know why you've done it, or you have a feeling about doing something and then you, you go and do it and it seemed like the perfect thing to do. When we're in a stress zone or a fix-it zone, we, in our head, we're using our brain to come up with an answer or to explain why we're feeling the way we're feeling. But when we allow and let go and accept, we allow that intuitive part of us to come up and to lead us to actually the path of less resistance and the path that will lead us to where we want to be, which is feeling better because we're not focusing on the negative feelings we're experiencing. Okay. Now, one of my favorite quotes that I've created for myself, some of the best quotes are the ones you, you make up for yourself, is that sometimes the best way to get to a better day is to accept that today is not that day. So sometimes the best way to get to a better day is to accept that today is not that day. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to define the day as a bad one just because you don't think it's a, it's a good one or tapping into the identity of someone not having a good day, right? You're not saying, I'm not having a good day today. I'm not in the mood to have a good day. That's not what you're doing. What it means is that you just stop trying to give it your f- give it the situation or your feelings, how you're feeling physically or mentally, an identity at all. Because when you leave something undefined, it's easier to define it, right? Uh, or to change the meaning of it. Whereas if you've got a strong belief about something or a strong definition as to what something means, it's very difficult to shift that belief or definition. So rather than changing it from bad to good, we just undefine it. We just don't give it a belief or a judgment at all and leave it neutral. Your anxiety is neither good nor bad. Sit with it. How does it actually feel? What's it like? You don't have to understand why it's there if you're in a mood where the last thing that you're going to be able to do is fix it or change it. Then listen to it. Observe it. Observe the way that difficult person at work is acting rather than trying to take control of it and change it. Okay? Now, the reason why accepting and allowing comes so much down to our thoughts and our words is because we have a lot of a load a lot a lot a lot of neurons inside our brain okay and these neurons are fired over and over and over again and fired basically means that they're practiced right so these neurons are fired when we do something so say we know that every time the (laughs) this is such a uh, a non-relevant example actually okay Every time a certain bell rings at work, it means it's one o'clock, which means that it's lunchtime. And so you get, as soon as you hear the bell, your mouth starts watering. That was actually an experiment um, by Ivan, Ivan, Ivan Pavlov, who had some, had with his dogs, he trained them to salivate. That's what he, what, what he actually won a Nobel Prize for it by teaching them to salivate at the ring of a bell. But actually what we now know is that it was not him teaching them to salivate. 
that the dog's brains, the dog's neurons would fire every time they heard the bell because straight after they heard the bell, they would receive food. And so their brain, rather than just being conditioned to salivate when the bell went off, their brain was predicting that food would come. And so it was preemptively leading the dog to salivate before it senses it even smelt the food or seen the food or felt the food. And so we have neurons that do these sorts of things every single day. We have our, our brain is a prediction machine and a lot of things that happen every single day, it's used to. So if, you, um, if the alarm goes off when you wake up or the, the alarm goes off and you wake up, if you more times than not tap snooze and go back to sleep, you're firing neurons that say when the alarm goes off, we lean over, we tap the screen and we fall back to sleep. So your brain knows that sleep is coming after the alarm's gone off, which isn't exactly the thing that alarms are, are meant for, is it? But the more we do that, our brain is actually predicting it. So yes, we have circadian rhythms, which mean that we know if we tend to have an alarm that goes off at the same time each day, we'll get into a circadian rhythm of when we go to sleep, when we wake up and we'll have a sleep cycle through that. But our body also is prepared that when the alarm goes off, we yawn ready to go back to sleep, right? And the reason why I'm telling you this is because some of these neurons that control your body control what happens physically to your body, also control your language and, and vice versa. So our neurons don't just have one role. They have multiple roles, some of them. And so when the neurons that control how I'm speaking right now, the language that I'm using is preempting the words I'm going to say, right? So say there's a missing word in a sentence, you're still going to be able to understand that because you've read so many sentences and understand the English language so much that your brain can predict what word would go there even though it can't see the word right that's that's what's happening and so as i'm saying these words the neurons that are making this possible for me to say this is are actually also controlling my body which means that our language our thoughts and our body are intrinsically entwined literally chemically, by the chemical reactions, the, um, the, the, the processes that are going through our brain and our body are so interconnected. And what that means is that the words that you speak and the language that you use and the thoughts that you think are so closely impacting how you feel. What you speak becomes real in your body. If you tell yourself right now, I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous to go to work on Monday. If you keep repeating that for the next two days, you're going to feel, you're going to start to feel really anxious without even having a reason why. On the other hand, if you say I'm really excited, then you'll start feeling really excited, even though you have no reason to feel excited. And then actually what then happens is that because you feel nervous or because you feel excited in your body, your brain will then feed off that feeling and start finding reasons as to why you're feeling like that. So I'll say, oh yeah, I'm really excited to see everybody, see my, my friend at work on, on Monday. I'm really excited um, for lunch because I'm, I'm going for lunch with somebody. I'm really excited for that meeting. Whereas if you kept saying that you were really nervous, you might then think, I'm really nervous about, about that very same meeting. The thoughts that you think and the words that you say and the way that you speak has an impact on your body and the way that your body feels impacts the way that your brain sees things. 
So I really want you to take from this that that the lang- that that those things, the language and the thoughts, really is an impact on are you allowing yourself to accept and allow? So when you're in a situation where you're trying to fix something, or when you're in the situation where you're moaning about something or upset about it, consider what your language is. Because it's a whole lot easier to allow and accept if you're not using language that is convincing you to try and fix it or that you need to talk about it and complain about it. And also think about how your body is. If you're saying, if you're thinking negative thoughts or stressful thoughts or anxious thoughts, your body's going to probably feel quite tense. So if you can start by relaxing your body, literally, (laughs) if you've got anyone in the house, they might think it's a bit strange, but I'm sure you can find a separate room or I'm sure they love you enough that they'll, they'll accept and allow you to do this. Just lie down. Lie down and spread your arms and your legs out almost like a starfish. Preferably, if you've got a garden, go outside and do it on the grass or do it on a hard floor, even if it's quite cool. And that's a really grounding and relaxes your body. There's one, a, a, a yoga pose. I think it's called elephant pose or something like that. And it's where you stand with your legs slightly apart. Well, quite significantly apart, actually. So further apart than your hips. As, not as far as you can go, but fairly significantly um, wide, right? And you bend, bend from the hip and you just let your arms hang and your body hang and you swing from side to side and that's something that can relax your body another one that seems to feel like it will do the exact opposite is to completely tense your body for about 10 seconds and then to relax it my favorite one at the minute is to have a cold shower you'll feel so much better afterwards and actually what i found is that i've got so used to cold showers now that they actually have stopped giving me the positive feeling feeling afterwards the more i've got used to them and accepted and allowing them, allowed them they have less of a positive impact and so i actually have to start trying to tense and almost tell myself i dislike them again so that when i get out i feel accomplished and i feel like my body's been through something fairly rigorous so Accepting and allowing, it's something that Britain, and to be honest, the world as a whole doesn't do very often, but it's something that we should do more of. Stopping trying to fix things all the time. Fixing things is great, I love doing it, but when you're having a bad day or you're just feeling less energetic, sometimes the worst thing you can do is try to change that or to talk yourself out of it, to talk more about it. Again, try that for half an hour. But if it doesn't work, let it be. Then your body will relax, your mind will relax, and you probably end up finding yourself a lot more energised and a lot happier. So that is it from me today. I appreciate you being patient in waiting for this episode to come out. And I guess even not putting this out when I wanted to was me accepting and allowing and realizing that actually the end of the world is not going to come if something doesn't happen, if you don't have the best day ever, if you're not as productive as you want to be. When we accept and allow, we're in a much better place to take, um, to carry on next time, right? To come back to things next time because we've calmed ourselves. We have more clarity. If you want clarity, stop looking for it. If you want to be energized, stop looking for it. If you want to be relaxed stop focusing on the fact that you're stressed so if you're finding that you're feeling negative emotion ask yourself what's the opposite of this emotion what's the opposite of stress 
What's the opposite of anger? What's the opposite of frustration or sadness? And then even just saying the word, I want to feel calm. Your body, your brain knows what the word calm means. So as you say the word calm or whatever word it is for you, energized, excited, joyful, as you say that word, your brain knows what it means. And to understand what that word means, it has to tap into it slightly. Because it's a thought that you're thinking. And the thought has power. When you say the word out loud, it is 40 to 70% more powerful. If you write it down, the same again. And as we've just said, your language is connected to the way that your body reacts to things. So when you say calm, every time I'm saying it... My body, my shoulders goes down a little bit. My heart slows. When I say joyful, I smile a little bit more because I understand the meaning of it and my body does too. So, take into this week the practice of accepting and allowing. And so, all that is left to say is I appreciate you. <laughs>